welcome back to the most important stop of the day. This is the Money Stop. Alongside Cole, I'm Steven Cusimano, and we come to you after a great weekend of racing at Homestead, entering the weekend at Vegas. First things first, Cole. How you doing? How was your week? Doing pretty good. I mean, we had a great race on Sunday at Homestead Miami Speedway. I thought that the competition overall was incredible. There were so many different contenders throughout the race, unexpected drivers and teams as well. Um, and yeah, just been working, getting ready for this next week in Vegas because, um, you know, we're going to be out there. I'll be in the media center or in the press box and you'll be there as a spectator. Yep, that is the wonderful news. We'll be at each of the next two race weekends at Vegas and Phoenix, trying to get to as many of the races on the West Coast swing as we can. Let's start with our Splash and Go segment. Let's review what happened at Homestead Miami Speedway. You alluded to it, Cole. This was the quote-unquote real start of the NASCAR season, the first mile-and-a-half track, and it ended with William Byron winning his second career race in what was really just a dominant second-half showing. He led 102 out of 267 laps in what was a really a great competitive race. Less tire pitch strategy than we saw in the Xfinity race, but there was certainly a lot of transitioning to the track, and that's why we saw a lot of different players in this race, including a few surprise names up there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you touched on the biggest thing there. It was the track transitioning from day to night. And it was weird because the start of the day, we saw guys like Brad Keselowski up front or the Fords of Chris Buescher, who surprised many people. But yeah. the Fords were very dominant early on. And then towards the second half of the race, the Chevrolets, in specific, Hendrick Motorsports and Tyler Reddick really turned it on. Um, I think that's what you want to see in, in any race, to be honest. I mean, obviously there was a lack of cautions, but that does not in any way make a race good. I prefer there, there not be cautions because that way there's more strategy involved. The drivers are safe. And this was a perfect example of that. Like, I felt very content coming out of Homestead, just with the level of competition, the teams that came to the forefront at the top in the top 10. In terms of it being a great overall race from a competition standpoint, I think that's as good as it gets. And I know some fans may have been a little bit turned off, maybe felt it was anticlimactic, but as a, a pure racing fan, this was all you can ask for. I completely agree. I mean, you summed it up perfectly. I don't think you need cautions for there to be a good race, and... This race was a perfect example of that. Just all of the changing track conditions and different players in and out of the race. This was really just the prototype, great competitive race that didn't need cautions to be like that. I think what made this a great race, honestly, was just the, the amount of comers and goers that we, we normally don't see running up front throughout the regular season. And I think that was a testament to many of these drivers and teams' ability to be relentless and, you know, just grind it out start to finish. Because even if you don't have a competitive car to start the day off, you can really turn it around with the adjustments throughout the race as the track's transitioning. And by the way, let's give credit where it's due. Uh, you mentioned Chris Busher. He was not in our official Money Stop DraftKings lineup, but he was in your personal DraftKings lineup. So you saw this performance coming, at least to some degree. I don't think you saw him leading 50-plus laps, but you certainly had him in your lineup. Aside from that, though, our DraftKings lineup did pretty well outside of Cole Custer having a tire failure at the very end of the race, spoiled what would have been a borderline top five finish. And we'll get to some of the other good performances. Michael McDowell, Kyle Larson in our Stacking Pennies segment. We'll get to that again later. But let's talk about a few drivers who have really struggled to start this year. Some of the biggest disappointments of the 2021 season, three races in. And we've had a decent sample size because we've had a super speedway. We've had a road course. We've had an intermediate track. And Ryan Blaney, Chase Briscoe and Bubba Wallace have not competed up to expectations thus far. Before that, I just want to jump in and say, 
uh, while we do make these lineups and we do offer some insight to our analysis on these drivers and these tracks, we don't physically make bets. We actually can't because we live in Arizona. But just for the integrity of the sport and our profession, we don't bet. So just want to make that clear real quick. But anyway, as far as the, the performances between Blaney and Bubba Wallace and Chase Briscoe, I mean, talk about a guy that did a complete 180 from the beginning of last year compared to this year was I mean, Ryan Blaney. I felt like before COVID, those first four races, he was leading like a majority of those races and he couldn't close it out. But this year, it's just like he can't get past, I feel like, the top 20. And it was just really weird to see because he was great at Homestead last year. And when we go into our predictions and our analysis for Vegas, he was a guy that ran very, very well in Vegas. And you want to put him in your lineup potentially. But he's NASCAR, like many sports, is, is momentum driven. And I feel like he's just way too cold right now. And I don't know what's going to get him out of this funk. We know he drives on those super speedway races, but Talladega is not for another few months. And He's really in a big points hole right now, and with William Byron, Christopher Bell, and Michael McDowell occupying three of those playoff spots, he could be in real trouble, to be quite honest with you. And I do think he's a talented enough driver driving for a talented enough team that he'll figure it out. I 100% believe that Ryan Blaney will figure it out. Obviously, it's just, you know, like you said last year, it certainly wasn't the case last year. He had a great start to the 2020 season, but whatever the issue is with the number 12 team, hopefully it gets resolved. Do want to jump over to Chase Briscoe, though. We were both expecting really, really big things from him this year, and quite honestly, I think I speak for both of us when I say we're still expecting big things from Chase Briscoe this year, but when you look at what's happened so far with the first three races, none of them going his way, and even at a few tracks that catered to his skill set, it's kind of a peculiar start for Briscoe, but I, I think that there are certainly better days ahead, and, and he'll continue to grow into this number 14 team at the cup level. Well, I mean, it is just growing pains, first off. Making that transition from Xfinity to cup is a huge, huge uh, adjustment. And I actually spoke with him throughout the media days for, for Homestead, and he said, I asked him what, what his biggest obstacle was in making the jump from Xfinity to cup, and he said, just knowing the limitations of these cars, because as he mentioned in reference to Homestead, with those Xfinity bodies, you can really like rub against the wall and it, it won't really affect the handling of the car. It won't really cause any tire rub. You can kind of rebound and recollect yourself. But with these cup cars, they're just so precise. And if you even tag the wall once, you're done. But I do want to say, while it is kind of growing pains and getting acclimated to the cup series, um, it's not... It, it looks worse than it actually is. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt with Daytona because, you know, people wreck there. It's Daytona. The road course. He was running inside the top 10... When something happened to him, uh, he ran into the back of somebody and his hood went over this, his car and that relegated him to like a 20th place finish around there. I, I don't know the exact finishing order. And then in this race, I was actually very impressed by Chase Briscoe because at the midway point, he was two laps down in 30th, 30th out of 38 cars. We were all like, what is going on with him? I, I, like, he's great at Homestead. He won there in the Xfinity series. And it was just very puzzling. But like a lot, of these, a lot of the other guys that kind of adjusted to the track, he came back, rebounded for an 18th place finish on the lead lap. So it's a lot worse than it actually looks. That's what the stats will show you. But I think there are big things coming for uh, Chase Briscoe and um, nothing to be afraid of right now. Yeah, and that's exactly the type of performance that you want to see from a rookie driver uh, racing for this team is that he had a bad race to begin with, but he rebounded. You know, he came back from behind from two laps down and 
put together a respectable result. And while the total results haven't been exactly what he would like them to be so far, he's certainly putting together full races and showing signs of growth, which last weekend's race is a perfect example of that. As for Bubba Wallace, this is something we predicted. You know, it's a brand new team, not just a driver switching to a new team, but it's a completely brand new team. So we expected that there would be growing pains entering this year, and the first three races so far this year have been a perfect example of that, outside of really the Daytona 500, because in that race, the first half of it at least, Bubba Wallace did run very well with his Toyota teammates. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, we kind of expected this just because... It is a brand new team, and obviously he's getting adjusted to these Toyotas again, and his new team, his new crew chief. But, I mean, based off last year with Christopher Bell and Levine Family Racing, Bubba is off to a better start than he was. Granted, there's you're going to the Daytona Road Course and Homestead as, as opposed to Vegas and Fontana, but, I mean, I haven't seen anything bad out of Bubba. I think he's doing the best with what he's given. He's still adjusting to this car and, and, and this team. And, you know, I, I do think he, he's going to knock off some top 15s here and there. And, obviously, he's going to get a lot more top 10s than he has previously in single seasons. And, you know, I think he's a potential playoff bubble driver. But, as mentioned earlier, with, with Byron, McDowell, and Bell winning, it's going to be very tough to make it in on points. And with that, I do want to end the review of this past weekend's race with William Byron. Uh, you and I both came into this season expecting really big things out of him. You, in fact, predicted that he would win his first race with Rudy Fugel at the Daytona 500. And I also predicted that we were going to see very big things from William Byron, and he may even contend for the championship this year. And this race was extremely impressive from him. I want to ask you about your general expectations for this 24 team throughout the year, but one thing I really liked was just that it was sort of a dominant second half showing. I mean, mm -hmm. there were certainly other players jumping in and out of the lead in the top three, Martin Truex Jr., Chris Buescher, whoever have you, Tyler Reddick at the end of the race, but the one constant all throughout the second half of the race, the final two stages, was William Byron. And I'm extremely excited to see, with him starting on the front row at Las Vegas this week, how does he parlay this, pun completely intended, here at Vegas into another strong running? Because... Being the longtime Jimmy Johnson fan that I always was growing up, this is something that Jimmy Johnson mastered the art of. He would dominate races, he would come out, start the next weekend on the front row, if not the pole, and dominate some more. And he would just continue to string these runs together to a point where they just fed off of each other. And I'm really intrigued to sort of see if William Byron can sort of pick up where he left off in Homestead and do it again here at Vegas, or at least put together a top five run throughout the race. So, beginning with the expectations going into this year. I thought he was going to have a, a much better year than, than years prior. I thought he was going to get multiple wins two, maybe three, but I mean, just, just looking at this, this Homestead race, he really quietly dominated that, that second half of that race. I feel like they didn't get much coverage with all the uh, madness going on uh, for position in the back behind him. But I think that the relationship between him and Rudy Fugel is going to be incredible. He handpicked him as his crew chief, and it's clearly boding well here to start the season off. And this is, it can only do good things for a young driver like William Byron, who's who has been on the cusp of breaking out for so many years. I really do believe that he is going to just be on a tear. I think that Hendrick Motorsports as, as a whole is back. They're finally... 
the team that they are once were back in the glory days. And I think that, yeah, it's going to be a great year for William Byron. I think I could see him definitely making it to the round of eight. Yeah, when it comes to driver crew chief pairings, the fact of the matter is when it's right, it's right. And I think that this pairing with Rudy Fugel and the way that they work together and, and just the way that they speak of each other, how highly they think of each other and what they're doing for this race team, it just feels so right. And not to say that Chad Knauss wasn't right for William Byron. I certainly think that he learned a lot from Chad. And of course, you know, it's a completely different sort of dynamic with sort of the tough love that Chad is going to give you over the radio. And that made Jimmy Johnson so uh, dominant over the years. But this pairing just seems perfect to me. And I really just wishfully thinking for this team because I would love to see them succeed. I really hope that they do continue to put some good runs together beginning with this week at Vegas. But before we move on from Miami, I do want to talk about the Xfinity race because that was another really competitive race, excellent competition all throughout, and there was no truck race by the way, but in this Xfinity race, 26-year-old Myatt Snyder got his first career win after you know, really just another heartbreaking race for Noah Gragson. He has dealt with so much adversity early in his career, and it's both, you know, it might be a hot take, but it's both a blessing and a curse because it's a very emotional driver. There's no secret that, you know, Noah Gragson is a driver who wears his emotions on his sleeve, and he's learning a lot of tough lessons early on in his career. It certainly doesn't feel like he only has two career wins, but for a, an emotional driver like him, it's definitely better that he's learning uh, how to handle these tough emotions and work through this adversity early in his career than when he gets up to the Cup Series. So, obviously running into a lap car with three laps to go when he was just dominating the second half of the race, or the final stage of the race at least, and just a really tough way to lose. And uh, all things considered, uh, I think he, he handled it pretty well, but just a, another heartbreaker, but really happy for Myatt Snyder. Another race where we saw a lot of different contenders all throughout. Brett Moffitt had a great run that was spoiled, but... Uh, just call overarching thoughts on the Xfinity race at Homestead. I thought this was miles better than the cup race, personally, just because there's, there's so much strategy at play between fuel mileage, uh, tires, and and everything that you could ever want in a race. I think that Mike Snyder finally getting that first NASCAR National Series win is going to be huge for him. He's a guy who had flashes of brilliance last year for Richard Childress Racing in the Xfinity Series. And at 26 years old, you think he may be a little bit better off than where he is at currently, but you never know. This could open the floodgates for him, and I think that he has a bright future. He has a little bit to go before he can, you know, make his way into the Cup Series, but he really capitalized towards the end, holding off Brendan Jones for the win. And as far as Noah Gregson's situation goes, I mean, if this guy didn't have bad luck, he would literally have none, because I feel like seeing that stat on TV that he only has two Xfinity Series wins blew my mind because it Me seems too. like every single week or close to it he's leading like every lap he's just dominating these things but he can't close it out and that's the biggest thing making it into cup is putting together a complete race because these it's all about endurance i mean it's it sounds cliche and it's a little weird to say in, in nascar that it's not it's not a race it's a marathon but it's true and and you really got to go through these motions of of knowing heartbreak and and being this low at a point in your career at such a young age, just so you don't revert back to that when you do make it to the premier series and, you know, you can rebound and learn from those experiences. Yeah, I mean, you got a feel for this guy. It literally feels like, I mean, before last weekend, if you asked me, 
how many wins I thought Noah Gregson had in the Xfinity series, I probably would have said like nine or 10. I mean, it just, he's dominated that many races, even the last three that took place at Homestead, and he hasn't won a single one of them. I mean, you really do have to feel for him with the luck that he has had the past year, but that's just, you know, something that's in, in general in sports. Sometimes the ball is rolling your way, and sometimes it's not, but this week, Noah Gregson will head to his home track, Las Vegas. We'll get to the race preview pretty soon here, but first I want to introduce a new segment in the name of Corey LaJoy, who made this catchphrase popular last year, stacking pennies. This is where we're going to talk about a few drivers that are putting together nice performances little by little, stacking pennies, making a name for themselves very quietly. And three races into the season, we've again, we've got a pretty solid sample size, and we can sort of introduce this segment now with some confidence. Let's start with Roush Fenway Racing. Chris Busher led 57 laps this week, and he won Stage 1. I don't care who you are. If you had Chris Busher winning Stage 1, you should probably go play the lottery. Ended up finishing... 19th by the time it was all said and done, unfortunately, but I mean, a really great performance by Chris Buescher and also Ryan Newman, his first top 10 of the season. He ended up finishing 7th, wasn't really in the top 10 the entire race, but in general, just talking about Roush Fenway Racing, stacking pennies, this is as good a start as they've had in any season in quite some time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and it's not like the, the stage 1 win or leading laps was a fluke, like, Chris Buescher drove his way through the fields. He had to get past guys like Kevin Harvick and Brad Keselowski, and he was doing a great job. And that's what you want to see. NASCAR's at, at its best when smaller teams with not as well-known drivers are are doing good. And, 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 you know, it's great to see. And as far as Newman scoring his first top 10, as you mentioned, he wasn't really a factor at all during the race. This kind of was, was chalked up to strategy and, and some guys taking tires trying to split the stage, hoping for a caution towards the end. But you know what? It's always very encouraging when both your cars can get inside the top 10 and get quality finishes. Moving on to what is probably the biggest storyline of the season thus far. I think you can argue it is, at least. Michael McDowell. He is one of only two drivers, along with Kevin Harvick, to have top 10s in all three races this year. Again, at three different tracks. And I sound like a broken record saying it. It's not a fluke. He did great at the road course, great at the super speedway. And he had his best career finish at a mile-and-a-half track. He put together a sixth-place finish here at Homestead. And it felt like if it was ever going to come crashing down on front-row motorsports, it would happen this week at the quote-unquote start of the regular season with the first intermediate track. But not the case at all. Finished sixth. Just another great performance for that guy, Michael McDowell. Absolutely. And he is, once again, the feel-good story of 2021 thus far. I said the same thing last year in 2020 about his impressive runs, but he has really, really just been one of the best cars in the field thus far. I think he's fourth in the standings as they run right now. And yeah, he, he's, it's not like these were finishes that he kind of lucked into. He earned all of these finishes. Daytona obviously was up there all day contending for the win, ended up getting that elusive Daytona 500 victory. In the road course, he had a tire go down in the first lap on the first turn of the race, was dead last, rebounded to get another top 10. And then even at Homestead, he started uh, on the front row. He had a great starting position, but he fell back to like the mid-20s, and he was able to rebound for another top 10. And he was fighting hard with guys like Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, much like Chris Buescher. And, you know, this could be a really great year for him. I, I know we sound like a broken records, like you were saying, but... As it stands right now, I do think McDowell could possibly win one or two races, 
with all the road courses on the schedule and how he's running right now. Yeah, and it's certainly been fun to see Michael McDowell put these top 10s together and, of course, winning the Daytona 500, and I'm very excited to see how it plays out for Front Row Motorsports. Now, moving on to a brand new team, Trackhouse Racing. Daniel Suarez, with his first top 15 finish of the year for this new team, putting together another respectable finish after what he did at the road course the week before that. Uh, obviously had some tough luck in the Daytona 500, but three races in, I'm certainly more impressed than the alternative with Daniel Suarez. He's number 22 in the points right now, and uh, I'm interested to see how he continues to do with this brand new team. I feel like, as I mentioned in the first show, no matter what equipment Daniel Suarez is given, no matter what team it is, he mm -hmm. will drive the wheels off that thing. He will give it his all. And that's shown to be true once again in 2021. First top 15 finish. He's led laps in the last two races. Like you said, taken out early in the Daytona 500. But that team has shown a lot of speed this year, man. And he mentioned that this was a place he felt like he had the best opportunity with in his entire cup career. And you know what? It, it very well could be that because the way it runs, the way it stands right now, I, I do believe Daniel Suarez could be contending for top 10s in the not-too-distant future, and, I mean, maybe a bit too premature to say he'll make a playoff spot or contend for a playoff spot, but let's see where the road takes us, because he's impressed me very much thus far. It's been a little bit under the radar, but I, I feel like if, if you really follow this sport and you are a racing purist, you're, you're loving what Daniel Suarez is doing right now. And there you have it, Daniel Suarez, Michael McDowell, and Roush Fenway Racing with Chris Buescher and Ryan Newman. Those guys are all stacking pennies, staying with the money theme. Let's move on to another form of coins and currency. Nickel or Dime is the name of our next segment, and this is where we're going to rank paint schemes entering the week. A lot of new paint schemes entering this week at Vegas, and just from a general standpoint, for those of you who don't know, Cole and I are kind of paint scheme snobs. I mean, we love looking at the paint schemes every week love ranking them sort of and so if we like the paint scheme we're going to give it a dime a 10 if we don't like it or it's on the sort of lackluster side we're going to go with a nickel five out of ten basically so with that let's look at some of the ones coming into this week uh at vegas so i like this number five car for uh kyle larson the hendrickcars.com red white and blue you can't go wrong with that color scheme uh, i'm a fan of that one I'll give it a dime. Uh, just looking at a couple of the other ones here, I'll stick with the Hendrick Stable. I love the Liberty paint scheme for William Byron. Common theme, red, white, and blue. I just love those colors. And probably my favorite paint scheme of the week out of the sort of new ones is Bubba Wallace's Columbia car. That black and blue looks really sharp. The powder blue sort of. Uh, I love that look for Bubba Wallace. I'm going to give those three dimes. Nice. Yep, so I agree with you on all of those. I think, first off, we've got to acknowledge Kyle Larson's Hendrick cars paint scheme is almost a carbon copy of the late great Ricky Hendricks car from back in the day so all the respect in the world to them for running this and, and kind of reviving that paint scheme and that story I think that's an awesome car it's one of my favorites that's being run uh let's see looking down the list Ryan Blaney ran this paint scheme last year I think once or twice but it's that Pennzoil car with the neon yellow numbers and the neon wheels I think that looks so slick there's some silver um, kind of on the door as well. It just looks like an awesome, very slick, racy car. I'm going to real quick butt in. I'm going to give that one a nickel. I'm just not crazy about the design. I do like really? the, uh, the neon between the wheel wells and the number 12, but I just I feel like that design with the silver and the white looks a little bit out of place. And, you know, I'm kind of cherry picking here. I mean, there are a lot of nice paint schemes this week, but if I had to give one of them a dime, or excuse me, a nickel, it's probably that one. 
If we're talking nickels, uh, Corey LaJoy's car this week is a little bit all over, no, not even a little bit, it, it's a lot all over the place, it's kind of messy, there's a lot of stuff thrown into there. I kind of like it, it has sort of really? a, a comic book sort of theme, it's the the Built built uh, Protein Bars, I think is the name of the sponsor, but it kind of has a cool sort of nostalgic comic uh. book look that I, I like a lot, and it, his face is on the car, I mean that's a common theme with Corey LaJoy, I, I'll give him a dime, but, you know, on the dime side, it's probably more like a seven, the same number that is on his car, ironically enough, but, you know, I'm kind of a fan of that paint scheme. I just think it's very busy looking. I'm not a big fan of it. Moving on down um, the list here, Kyle Busch's Ethel M. Chocolates car. Very unconventional compared to his traditional uh, yellow M&M's paint scheme. I'm not really sure how to feel about this. I'm, I'm more on, on the, do uh, the nickel side for sure. It has a kind of seafoam green to it, which I like a lot, but then you have this, like, chocolate. It's like a real chocolate, not like a kind of, like, cartoonish M&M type deal. Um, yeah, I, it's not doing it for me, to it's be honest. It's not bad. I just feel like with that color scheme, with that seafoam or mint green that's on the car, they probably could have done better. Um, but, you know, it's not terrible. It probably is a nickel. It's like a 5 out of 10, but it, only because it could have been better. Agreed. Um, and then as far as dimes go, I love, like you said, Bubba Wallace's number 23 Columbia car. I think it resembles Dale Jr.'s Time Warner cable car a lot from, I believe, 2015, 2014. I, that's one of my favorite paint schemes of all time. So it, it's very reminiscent of that. I think it looks very sharp. Uh, I lo love the, the black and gray and the blue and white color scheme, but just matches very well. And then, yeah, William Byron's uh, Liberty University car. Uh, here's what I want to say. I, I like it a lot. It looks really cool, but it also is more of a patriotic paint scheme. Something we'd see at like the Coke 600 or something like that. I just don't think it fits very well for this weekend particularly, but it is a nice car. I, I'll give that a dime. I'm kind of getting cold trickle vibes from uh, Ryan Priest's 37 car this week. It's a Natty Light, I think. Yeah, it's one of those those Natter Day uh, there we go. Yeah. beer beer branded cars. This one, uh, I mean, if it, if it was the, the City Chevrolet Cold Trickle car, it looked a lot better. I, I'm not a big fan of this. And I, I, this saying a lot because I, I love green cars. Green's my favorite color. I think that the the neon green 37 with the yellow and the white doesn't look good. I think it's going to look not <laughs> that great on track. Uh, it's just, it's, I think it's pretty it's, cool. It's a mess. I, mean, I, don't, it's, I don't know. I'm not a fan of I it. I feel like this one would look pretty good under the whites. I'm, I, I don't hate it. It's probably a nickel. It's probably exactly a five out of 10, but you said your favorite color is green. Well, my favorite color is blue. And for that reason, I'm going to move on to that number six car of Ryan Newman. I kind of like it. Uh, it's a little bit boring. The, you know, there's not too much of a design, but I just like that shade of blue. It looks pretty sharp. The Wyndham Rewards Ford, uh, it looks pretty sharp. And then another solid colored car. That 22 of Joey Logano, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is the same paint scheme that he won the Pennzoil 400 with at Vegas last year. Kind of boring, very solid, but it's very Joey Logano. It's very Pennzoil looking, and that car just looks fast. I don't know any other way to describe what I just said. Yeah, so I think Blaney and Logano are using the same cars they used in the spring race at Vegas last year, and I like both cars a lot. Sometimes, or actually a lot of the times, less is more for me. I love simple cars. It's a golden yellow based car for Logano with the red 22. I think it just looks very clean. It looks very simple as mentioned. And uh, I mean, I'm not going to give it a dime. I give it more, maybe like a six or a seven. I don't want to give it a nickel, but it's, it's not bad. 
And then as far as Newman's car goes, I like it a lot, actually. I think the shades of blue really mesh well. I like the, the uh, design on the side of the door. I suppose um, there was a little bit more variance in the color, like maybe if that stripe down the, the middle of the number was a little bit lighter, or maybe if it was a sort of a gray, but I just think that those two shades are too close to one another. Again, I do like it. I love the shades of blue. I just think that they could have done a little bit more. I think it'll look better on track, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree with that. And check out our social media handles at the underscore money stop on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you want to see those paint schemes, they are available on our social media accounts. With that, now that we know what the cars look like at Vegas this week, let's talk about what they're potentially going to do. And let's begin with the starting lineup. I'll roll through the top 10 as well as a couple other notable drivers. Kevin Harvick will start on the pole, followed by William Byron, Kyle Larson, Martin Truex Jr., Michael McDowell to round out the top five. And then rounding out the top 10, Denny Hamlin, Kurt Busch, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, Brad Keselowski, and then looking outside the top 10, some notables starting 11th, Tyler Reddick, starting 14th, Kyle Busch, who if the playoffs started right now, he would not be a part of them. Starting 15th, Joey Logano, who of course won this race a year ago. Christopher Bell starting 16th, Cole Custer in 20th, Bubba Wallace 23rd, Chase Briscoe starting 24th, Ryan Blaney 26th, Eric Almarola 28th, Eric Jones 29th, and Matt Benedetto, another one of those drivers who's had kind of a slow start to the year, he will roll off 30th. So this has potential to be a really interesting race with some big name players back in the field. And Cole, you were at this race a year ago and Joey Logano won it. So, you know, you're going to be there again this week covering it for news from the pits. What are you expecting to see this weekend? I think it's going to be a really fun race. Last year, we saw 25 lead changes, which was awesome. I felt like start to finish, the racing throughout the field was just awesome. Like Homestead this past weekend, a lot of comers and goers, the two dominant teams by far were Team Penske and Hendrick Motorsports. I think we're going to see a lot of the same this weekend as well, but... In different variations, because as I mentioned before, NASCAR, like other sports, is very momentum-driven. And Ryan Blaney, he dominated a good portion of this race in the beginning and then kind of fell off towards the end. Starting 26th, he could be due for a big day and a, a big points day at that if you're looking to put him in your fantasy lineup and risk that. But I don't know. I think it's going to be hard for him to kind of claw out of that hole that he's, he's dug himself into and he has to kind of get back on track. Maybe Vegas could be the place. We'll see. But I think it's going to be very much like like Homestead in a sense, where we're going to see a lot of lead changes, a lot of strategy, more so on the fuel mileage side here, finally. But just looking through the field, going through the starting lineup, Joey Logano obviously won the race. He is starting in the 15th position. Matt Benedetto finished second in this race, matched his career best finish, starting 30th. He... he is going to have his work cut out for him. I do not think, honestly, I, I think it's going to be a struggle for him to get a top 15 finish. I really do. He's just not been on the money as of late. And you want to see him turn around. He's a great guy, a guy you want to root for and see succeed. But it's it's tough, tough sledding right now if you're about to Benedetto. Bubba Wallace actually had a great finish as well, finished sixth. Kyle Larson finished ninth. Um, and you have, you have guys starting out front that have a lot of success at this track. Kevin Harvick got a top 10, led the most laps last year in this race. He'll start from the pole, so it'll be interesting to see if he, he can maintain that pace and, you know, put in a clinic, potentially. And then um, Austin Dillon, top five last year at Vegas in the spring race. And as we mentioned in the last show, he really improved that mile-and-a-half program. He's starting 12th. I think he will get a top 10 finish. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of diversity spread throughout the field. It should lend itself some great racing, and there should be endless possibilities for your DraftKings lineups, for betting, or, you know, there's lots to play around with, with Vegas in mind. 
Like you said, yes, with Vegas in mind. And again, we will both be there, so follow along on social media at the underscore money stop. I'm at Steven underscore Cusimano. You are at Cole underscore Cusimano underscore on Twitter. We'll have content blowing out all week on social media. We will be in Sin City, ready for this race. And with that, let's take it to the bank. Again, this is where we'll talk about our race predictions, beginning with DraftKings lineups. We want to win you some money, again, because we're not allowed to, to do anything like that, so... We want to put money in your pocket, and this is what our DraftKings lineup is going to look like this week. The most expensive driver in our lineup is Brad Keselowski. He is worth $10,300, followed by Denny Hamlin, who's worth $9,200. Kurt Busch, who is worth $8,100. William Byron is worth $8,300. Austin Dillon, $7,600. And Chris Buescher rounds out our lineup worth $6,400. I'll start off by talking about Chris Buescher. He's just got a pretty good history at this track, in addition to the fact that He's had a really good start to the 2021 season. Uh, he starts deeper in the field, so it could be easy for him to make up some positions and get those all-important place differential points. And he had a top 10 there last year, so wouldn't be surprised to see it happen again. Yep, and going down the list here, Kurt Busch, I think he is one of my picks to potentially win this race. He won there in the playoffs last year. And these last two weeks, he has been phenomenal. I think he's been the most, most consistent driver by far in 2021. At the road course, he spun out from the lead with about 30 laps to go in the final stage, rebounded and got a top 10. And then this week as well, he had a tire going down the final stage, not a single caution, rebounded to finish 8th. So I think that he's just been on a tear this season. Obviously a Vegas native looking to get it done in his hometown. The motivation is always going to be there for him. I think Kirk Busch could be poised for a huge day. And there has been obviously the rumors about this potentially being his final year. Uh, and not to say that... If he wins his next race, it'll be his last one. But what a great place it would be to win in his hometown and what would potentially be his final win as a Cup Series driver. Moving on down the list, Austin Dillon, another one of those that's just been really consistent this year, consistent at Vegas. I like having him in the lineup. He starts outside the top 10. And one of the things I actually don't like about our lineup is that we have a few drivers that are starting in the top 10, including Kurt Busch, including Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, and also last week's winner, William Byron. He starts second, but you and I both, we think that he is poised for another big day. And going back to what I said at the very top of the podcast, I think that in typical sort of Jimmy Johnson passing the torch form, he is going to parlay a dominant second half of the race and win last week into starting on the front row this week and putting together another really strong showing. I couldn't agree more. I think that William Byron very well could be our first repeat winner of 2021, and that's saying a lot. I just think he's a very under-the-radar driver at Las Vegas. He's led laps in half the races he's run here in Cup, including 12 last fall in the playoffs, and I think that he ran very competitive in the spring race. The 22nd place finish will not show that, but he also has a top 10 here in 2019, and I think that it would not be out of the question to see William Byron earn a top five and potentially even win the whole thing on Sunday. And then the final two drivers in our lineup are a couple other guys starting in the top 10, and they are the two most expensive drivers in our lineup, Denny Hamlin and Brad Keselowski. I just think that these are two of the most consistent drivers in the field, regardless of where they're starting. I think that certainly I expect them to run in the top five and the top 10 and uh, run some quick laps, definitely lead some laps. And I just think that they're two drivers that I, I trust to sort of anchor the backbone of this lineup. Right. And I was a bit apprehensive, honestly, picking Hamlin in place of somebody like an Alex Bowman, just because I do think that Hendrick Motorsports is going to be due for a big race. I think that one any of those guys could easily win it. 
But you raised a good point that kind of sold me, and that's that you know what you're getting in Denny Hamlin and Joe Gibbs Racing, and it should be a sure thing that he is a top 10 car and he'll be a contender throughout the day. He led a lot of laps there last year, a combined in both races. And my, my only thing with Denny Hamlin, though, is that he really his performance really scared me at Homestead. He had to start from the rear due to a failing inspection twice, and he was never really able to rebound. Like, he made it inside the top 10 just barely towards the end, but he couldn't even close it out and get a top 10 finish. And I just think that... I think we could see some carryover into this weekend at Las Vegas. And that's sort of one of the storylines going into this race that I'm intrigued by is it's kind of go time for Joe Gibbs Racing. Outside of the win for Christopher Bell, uh, there just hasn't been a lot of consistency in that stable so far this year. Obviously, Denny Hamlin ran well the first two weeks at Daytona. Not really the case at Homestead. Martin Truex Jr. did well last week, obviously. Uh, haven't seen a ton from Kyle Busch. Kind of looks like... He has picked up where he left off in 2020, so uh, I'm interested to see how they do this year, especially at a track where last year, like you said, it was Hendrick Motorsports and Penske who were the dominant teams, and I expect that to be the case again this weekend. Um, more intrigued than anything, though, to see where these drivers end up placing, including Denny Hamlin, where I'm picking him out of confidence in his ability. So just to recap our DraftKings lineup, again, take it to the bank. We've got Chris Buescher, Kurt Busch, William Byron, Austin Dillon, Denny Hamlin, and Brad Keselowski. Now let's move on to our race winners, our race picks for this week at Las Vegas. And Cole, you went first last week. You know the drill. That means I'm going to go first this week. And I'm going to take Brad Keselowski. I think Penske takes the checkered flag. I'm very confident in Brad Keselowski. He's run well this year. He's run well historically at this track. He starts inside the top 10. And he's been knocking on the door for a win each of the first three weeks of the season at some point or another, whether it was at the end of the race or not. I think he seals the deal at Vegas this week, punches his ticket into the playoffs. And for my sleeper, I'm actually going to go against something that you said earlier in the show, and I'm going to pick Matt Benedetto as my sleeper. I just think that, again, this is a track that Penske ran really well at last year. We know about the affiliation with Wood Brothers Racing. We know that Matt Benedetto finished runner-up at this track last year, and I just think that with such a great leader as Roger Penske at the helm for this team and this stable, I really believe that they are going to band together and try to get some good runs on the board for guys who have underperformed, like Ryan Blaney and Matt Benedetto. I think they're going to share the notes, and again, at a track that they were good at last year, I think that they are going to be set up for success, and that extends out to some extent to Matt Benedetto, who is starting 30th on Sunday, He's going to be my dark horse. Without a doubt in my mind, I firmly believe that the winner will either be Kurt Busch, Brad Keselowski, or William Byron. Having said that, I'm going to go with Kurt Busch. As mentioned before, he's had to rebound immensely the last two weeks. I think he's been arguably the most consistent driver of 2021 thus far, along with Brad Keselowski. And I think that the Vegas boy gets done in his home state, his home track. And as far as my sleeper goes... I'm going to go with the guy who got third in this race last year, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He's a guy that we haven't heard much about at all in 2021. Back-to-back 18th place finishes to start the year off. Finished 13th at Homestead last week quietly, and I think that he could very well snag a top 10 this weekend. But, I mean, looking at the list, as far as sleepers who could potentially win the race, I I, I firmly believe, as mentioned, it's going to either be Kurt Busch, Brad Gislowski, or William Byron, so... Just in terms of getting a quality finish, Stenhouse is my pick for sleeper. 
Anyhow, that is going to do it this week for the Money Stop. And again, both Cole and I will be in attendance for the race this week at Vegas as well as next week at Phoenix. So if there's ever a time where you're going to make sure you should follow at the underscore Money Stop or our personal accounts, please do it now at Steven underscore Kusamano at the underscore Money Stop at Cole underscore Kusamano underscore. He'll have content from throughout the garage and inside the pit boxes all week long. Again, we thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you very soon.